everyone, and welcome to the Filene Fill-In. I'm Holly Fearing with Filene. The Filene Fill-In is the podcast where we fill you in on what's been going on here at Filene's home base and out and about in the financial services world. This episode picks up where episode 52 left off with our most recent i3 team projects. You're about to hear from three more teams about their experiences working together, examining a problem, and approaching a viable solution with care. They talked about how weighty, significant, and challenging some of their issues to solve were, but by trusting the process, counting on each other for support, and staying connected to root causes rather than shiny technological fixes, they all felt good about the paths they went down. Now that the Filene i3 application window is closed for this year, we are in the selection process, and new i3ers will be brought into the fold soon. I recommend to all those that have applied to listen in closely and learn from the efforts and advice of these teams. And anyone that is looking forward to being part of this community in the future, start mapping out your path to applying next spring. You'll be able to catch the next set of i3 project presentations live and in person if you join Filene at our signature member event, Big Bright Minds, in Durham, North Carolina, on November 19th and 20th. Registration is now open at filene.org events. Okay, now to round out this two-parter, we start by hearing from Team ICE, all about their project that won the popular vote at our research event in Seattle. Yes, if you would like to start by introducing yourself and saying your credit union's name, that would be wonderful. Thank you. I'm Ben Bauer from Simplicity Credit Union. And I'm Patrick Livingston from Coastal Credit Union. I'm Ryan Wing from Infinity Fellow Credit Union. I'm Donya Dorman from Suncoast Credit Union. Diane Sokolik from Twin Star Credit Union. Toby Weingart from the Credit Union National Association. So you're going to need to explain to our listeners what your project is. Do you have an elevator pitch to kind of quickly give the download? It's called Spork. And the idea is that we all use mobile devices and they're making our lives more efficient. Why can't we bring that technology to the folks who are food insecure or live in food deserts? So the basic premise of our project was to try to solve for that problem to help make their lives easier and to uh, address food insecurity. How did you come to this as being the problem that you needed to solve? So we were given a jumping off point of how do credit unions shift our focus from the individual member to the communities that we serve. And so we kind of like dove into the research and just, you know, kept an open mind and let that guide us. And we stumbled upon a lot of stuff that drew the connection to uh, community health, uh, whether that's economic development, financial health, um, physical and mental health, to uh, education and education and the ability for one to educate themselves um, is strongly affected by basic needs, food, things like that. So kind of like hierarchy of needs type stuff for sure. And we um, chose to kind of go with the one at the bottom, which is food. And knowing also through the data uh, finding that I mean, we all know that food is a problem, right? There's food pantries in every town, but like to see the impact of food deserts and just straight up access to food for people, whether there's things available or not, or their ability to get to the food or not, um, that there's just still so much work to be done. So, you know, it felt a little daunting thinking that we were going to be trying to solve world hunger or something, but 
you know, we know that if the solution could potentially help one community, we've done something great. So, um, and that's, I think the exciting part is to kind of see if and where this goes and what kind of change it can make for people. And what kinds of improvements to communities do you see happening as a result of this idea? So I think with Spork, what we're looking for is community partners and just a general awareness that these resources are out there. So individuals who are food insecure, they may not know where to turn, whether that's accessing food, knowing what food is on the shelves when they get to the pantry or trying to get to the pantry. Also, you know, once I have this food, what do I do with it? And leveraging um, other resources like what a credit union can offer in terms of, you know, not just the financial management of budgeting, but how they're more interested in the entire wellness of a member. So that's the change that we're looking for. And your project is unique in that it does have a tech component to it, but it very much so feels like it was a social problem solution first, and the technology is supporting that. Can you explain how you came to the technical solution part of this? So we originally started with a non-technical solution. It was going to be an actual box that credit unions would have filled with resources of how to educate their members and their communities on food insecurity that was occurring. And it was by talking to some credit union leaders, um, particularly Denise Wymore, uh, who works as a paramedic in uh, northern New Mexico, amongst all of her many other talents. And she said to us, you know, every house I go into, regardless of income, there's always a smartphone. And I think that was a pivotal moment for our team. And then as we started researching, we learned that in 2017, seven out of 10 households were using smartphones, regardless of income, and that's going to be nine out of 10 by 2020, so right around the corner. So that's where the shift happened was by actually getting out there and talking with folks in the field, engaging with their communities as to what they were seeing. So that's where that technology component came in. Were you able to get much feedback from community members on the desirability of such a solution? Yeah, in my local area, I met with the local food bank and the director there, and it seems that their resources are limited. It's usually, they don't have a web designer. It's kind of clunky. And so when we showed them the technology and they took our survey, it was like, wow, this is really what we need in the hands, even if it's just giving out our times and locations to the community. So I think that we are doing a solve for some of those nonprofits that just have very limited resources and that that's why we're trying to crowdsource funds to get this to go and make sport come alive. Why did you see credit unions as being the catalyst for this? Part of the problem statement was credit unions <laughs> reaching out to the bigger community, the other nonprofits and co-ops that are out there, stopping us from being just sharing within the credit union, but share with the actual community and knowing that these are the people that have the resources, information that um, benefit the members specifically in the areas that we don't see and knowing how we can help partner with them financially and, and those aspects and be able to help promote each other in a larger cooperative. Okay, great. And now I kind of want to like pull back the curtain a little bit and ask some questions about just your team and your working process as I3ers. <laughs> Did you have any particularly challenging moments through this cycle together as a team? 
just like the work process and the solution? Yes. So I think it was the process, certainly not the people. I think one of the beauties of our team and why we were successful in terms of being able to bring this creation and present it um, at this research event was because our team is so deep and multi-talented. But I do recall going through the process and almost feeling frustrated through the research because it was so overwhelming. And there were so many times when we could take different rabbit holes and just trying to rein in the cats, if you will, to figure out, okay, what exactly is the problem or what direction do we really want to take this in? So I would say that was the most challenging, but looking back, almost the most rewarding because by spending so much time in that research section, I think that really allowed us to pinpoint and really identify something that could be solvable and would have impact. Mm -hmm. How do you guys feel about what solution you've come up with? I mean, obviously you're proud of it, but like, what does it mean to you? What does this idea mean to you? So an answer to that question, maybe a second answer to the previous one. I think that um, one of the challenges at the end was uh, we really had to answer the question of how does this help credit unions, you know, and so much of the feedback that we've gotten here, especially after we presented was, um, oh, I just love how it doesn't feel like a credit union thing, you know, like this feels like it came from outside of credit unions. So to kind of have to like reverse engineer it and bring it back to like, okay, how, how are all of us going to help make this thing possible was a challenge at the end. We had to really put a good answer behind that, but I think that we've done that and, you know, for all the things that we just previously talked about, but Um, But yeah, I mean, as far as how we're feeling, I mean, um, through some of the connections that we've made, um, people that have like come right out and told us, like, let us know how this goes. We want to see this go somewhere uh, or um, I want to do this in my community. Even that, like Mm -hmm. that, that just feels so amazing. And, you know, like we said at the beginning, even if we know that we help like one community or if we help one family, you know, whatever, um, it kind of makes this all worth it. I mean, outside of all of the other great things that have happened through this, like meeting a great team and working together and learning the process and everything that went into the whole thing. So yeah, it feels a little bittersweet cloud nine right now for sure. Especially just looking ahead, knowing that we're going to be starting the whole thing over again mm-hmm. in a day or so here. Mm-hmm. I was just going to add to Ben's that I think one of the things that we hit on is resonating right now in America. They just had a couple of really good College students are struggling. There's food pantries now opening up in local universities just to help kids make it. And it's kind of like we all did this aha, wow, this is like the perfect time. And it's really getting out there as a nation. And we're a pretty strong nation, but we yet have not taken care of our own somewhat. And I want to add to that, too, because I grew up in probably one of the poorest areas of the country. I grew up in southwest Georgia. And uh, in doing this project, it really resonated with me because I could see my town. And just last week, they're closing their local food bank because they don't have enough support for it in the community. And that's incredibly heartbreaking, particularly after learning all that we have learned through the research and, and talking to folks. So... It is one of those moments where it not only is a a solution for other communities, but it also resonates with your own hometown and what's happening in your own backyard. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to see this go from here? Like, are you going to keep at it? Are you going to hand it off to another group? Are you going to make your... 
is Kuna gonna make it into something? What 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 are we gonna do with it? We want to see this come to life. So we are committed to doing just that and what that looks like in terms of specific details. We don't know just yet, but we put our heart into this project and it's something that we just can't turn off uh, once we leave this event. So I know Spork will um, live on in some form or fashion and we want to be able to partake in that. That's awesome. And I want to ask a couple of questions about just your personal journeys through the I3 program. What would you say is the number one thing that you've gotten out of it personally and professionally? Going through it and collaborating with a really high performing team makes you raise your own game. And that's one of the most fulfilling parts of being part of I3 and knowing have that vulnerability of trust with your team, knowing that you can put anything out there and it can be challenged because we all want things to succeed. And that this environment is just phenomenal for this type of uh, innovation. So for me, that's the big growth. And this, like, we're all family at this point. We're all planning on staying at Patrick's in November. <laughs> yeah. Whether he allows us or not, but we're going to be there. And and that's that's a big enjoyable piece. Yeah. So in terms of like growth and development, I feel like I've learned a tremendous amount I've learned that you have to be comfortable asking a lot of questions. And it's also important to remember that that sphere of influence that you have in, in a team has to come through um, in a position of genuine curiosity to keep healthy debate active. That's been a real big learning opportunity for me to have that experience and have that growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an immeasurable amount of value on like learning the innovation method and going through the process, everything that we've talked about. But for me personally, I think if there's a lesson or a takeaway that I have and that I hope like stays true with me in like every professional facet of my life going forward, but especially in credit unions, is that there is zero excuse to not innovate or to have an innovative mindset in your organization. I mean, what we did as a group of six over six months meeting an hour a week over that time. And then obviously a lot of personal time in between, but I mean, you add it all up. If you put together a team of six in your own organization with a focus on something um, and a deadline, you can do something so amazing. And we did it all through, you know, webinars and conference calls. And, you know, I mean, imagine what you could do if you locked yourselves in a room. So whether your excuse is budget whether that's dollars or time, like those excuses are not valid. You need you need to be innovating. You need to have an innovative mindset at your organization. Otherwise, you're you're not going anywhere. So, I hope that I can like constantly remind myself of that going forward. Right, right. I mean, it's a good reminder that it's you don't need anything to find a solution except for to care enough to find the solution. And obviously, this this is an example of that. I would say for me, uh, similar to what my teammates have spoken about already, would be being comfortable with being uncomfortable mm-hmm. uh, and also thinking big. So we talk about you know big picture thinking or out of the box thinking. And it was really great for me personally to expand my mental construct, if you will, to live in the what if or imagine if or wouldn't it be cool if. And I think so many times we box ourselves in to thinking and immediately jumping into the solution Mm -hmm. rather than really staying in that space of endless possibilities. And I really attribute that to Patrick on uh, this project because at the beginning he really challenged us not to think of ourselves as credit union individuals or 
creating a solution for credit unions, even though we knew we would end up there. Mm -hmm. And so by taking those reins off of us, I think it allowed us to really expand the world of opportunity. Mm -hmm. I know. It's hard to add to that because you guys are hitting all the great points. But I think for me being in wave one, and this is new, I mean, it's been six months since I've been immersed in the filing and it's different. Um, it's a different way of thinking that I have ever been trained. Uh, you come in and you, you try to solve and you don't really back into a problem. So for me professionally, that's kind of taken a step back of looking even at many solutions at my credit union and going, okay, what is my problem statement and who are my partners and who am I affecting and what do I really need? And it's taking a little bit of extra time but I think we'll provide better service from our members and to our other coworkers doing that. And then professionally, I think just being immersed in the fellows that we've met, the contacts that I've met here that, you know, the networking possibilities has just been tenfold. And I feel like, well, the team ice is my family, but all the I threeers and all the employees here are wonderful as well. Uh, to be <laughs> how do you follow that up uh, I think for me uh, one of the most important things about this particular process is that when you're working in a team it's not just about what you get out of it it's about what you put into it and this team in particular uh, we put our everything into ensuring that not only were we taking care of the project at hand, but that we were ensuring that we were taking care of each other because life was also happening while we were ideating and innovating. And then um, to kind of back up where Danya, go back to what Danya just said about being comfortable in that uncomfortable space, really sitting in in research and not going towards that bias to action prematurely was incredibly uh, beneficial and also to putting on different those different hats and being willing to dissent your own ideas or each other's ideas in a respectful way mm-hmm. was what truly made this such a fruitful a fruitful endeavor for us and will continue I think to move forward and help us all grow professionally do you think that'll impact the way you you just work in your day-to-day absolutely absolutely um particularly because of the work that I have the privilege of doing at CUNA, I absolutely think that this um, methodology uh, will positively affect not only the product lines that I have the opportunity to work with, but also our member credit unions that we support. Well, thank you for bringing your passion, um, not only to this program and your project, but literally the credit union movement. I mean, this is, it's, it's what makes it, it is, just what makes it as the people, so. We're just trying to keep up with you, Holly, and that's all it is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys are awesome, and I can't wait to see what you guys do next on your journey, so thank you for sharing today. Thanks, Holly. Our next team has a strong pun game going with their diversity drive concept. I'll let you hear all about it straight from them. I also just realized their project initials are DD. So not only are they driving better boards with this idea, they have a designated driver for you so your credit union can arrive safely where you're going. Here's Team Salmon with their Diversity Drive project. I'm Holly Martindale with Seslock Federal Credit Union. Hello, I'm Colleen Bosha with Columbia Credit Union, Vancouver, Washington. Bradley Hickey with American Airlines Federal Credit Union. 
Hello, Mallory Snader with Chartway Federal Credit Union. Hi, I'm Megan Jackson with Filene Research Institute. All right, thank you guys for coming and talking with us today. Um, I know that you just explained to the whole crowd out there all about your project for I3, so I'm not gonna ask you to rehash that, but if you have an elevator pitch version of that, could we just hear what that is to explain what your project is? Yeah, so Diversity Drive is a tool for the facilitation of discussion and education around board diversity. We were challenged with the topic of board diversity, and our guide, we believe, um, it's, it's sort of like a game guide. It guides you through the whole process step by step, and along the way, you have some challenges, uh, different cards that you'll pick up to help facilitate conversation throughout the process. And we view it as a long process. We think it's like a one-year process, but we do think that it can get your credit union's board to better reflect your membership, and that's the goal. Okay, so is that the pain point that it seeks to solve with this solution? To reiterate what Brad just mentioned, Diversity Drive can help boards better reflect their memberships because uh, there's been a lot of research that's been published over the last few years and even more coming out today about the performance enhancement that happens when credit unions and other types of organizations diversify and look for ways to diversify. And our challenge was really to come up with a solution to make sure that the credit unions are moving forward with the war on talent. So the idea that directors are really part of the talent of credit unions and what's the strategy that credit unions are using uh, to make sure that that top-level talent is being maximized and uh, really is uh, moving forward with the organizations and making sure that credits themselves can win that war on talent. After all, the talent that we are trying to attract and retain, people can work anywhere. And that includes our volunteers and our directors. You know, they are working and uh, contributing to the success of credit unions. So the idea that should directors actually mirror the memberships and the markets they're serving, we think so. And we think that they should be diverse and that will enhance the credit unions performances. Mm-hmm. And what kind of research did you do around the problem of lack of diversity in credit union boards that led you to this being the solution that you landed on? A lot of our early research um, focused between actually employment diversity. So a lot of organizations have moved in that direction already, but boards weren't being addressed in the same way. So our research led us to some statistics where the average board tenure is 13 years, the average board member age is 69 Um, as well as across multiple industries, uh, gender diversity, it's 20%. uh, Female minorities, 13%. So if we've got a board that's been in place for a long time, and keep in mind, we're not talking about ousting boards entirely. Our project is all about looking at your membership and seeing what you can do to change over time. It's not going to be an overnight process. It has to happen over time, and people have to be involved and engaged in it. So that's what we're trying to put together. Mm -hmm. And can you walk me through what what would success look like for a credit union that were to use this game, and what would be the benefit for them for being successful in its use? Our research did determine and discover that organizations that have diversity in their leadership in their boards are more financially successful. They have better ability to gain members and talent pools, as Colleen said. 
we actually specifically define in our program guide that winning is what you determine it to be. So our process will walk the organization through defining diversity, figuring out who they're serving, how their board can represent those, how they're going to get there. That way they're creating the measurements because we couldn't say this is what winning means for every single credit union across the country, across the world, because every credit union is different and serving different people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you were putting this together as a team in I3, did you guys hit any specific challenges or roadblocks that caused you to drive in a new direction as you're creating this board game? So we came up with our board game concept pretty late in the innovation process, um, which was a little bit nerve wracking. Um, When we were doing our research, it's a really heavy topic and it's like trying to solve world peace. And so at the end of the day, we landed on our boards don't reflect our members and we wanted to take it one step further and not rely on more abstract concepts like respect and acceptance. We wanted something We wanted to deliver something tangible um, that credit unions could touch and feel and look at and comprehend because the topics of diversity, equity, and inclusion are just so big. Mm -hmm. What's been the feedback so far that you've gotten from from credit unions about this? I would like to say it's been very well received. Um, At our table presentation, we've gotten some great feedback and um, we offered the sign up, what was it called? The, via, the driver registration. Driver registration. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of interest in individuals asking for us to send them the digital copy of our cards and mm-hmm. our um, guide map, which was nice to hear. Um, I think it definitely also, as we were going through some of the conversation cards that we put into place, um, specifically even the roadblock cards, that they definitely agreed that those are definitely potential objections, mm-hmm. such as term limits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the pun that you guys are, are going with this, and I encourage you to take it all the way. <laughs> I think that <laughs> I think people will appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so what is next from here with this idea? Well, um, I think next is individuals and credit unions reaching out to Filene. Mm-hmm. Um, we put in a different options on a concept document. For instance, of course, if approved by Filene, if the credit union is a member, um, that credit union would potentially get a free printed card deck. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not a member, you still have the opportunity to get the digital link. Mm-hmm. Um, the one positive about doing the digital link is that we'll always make sure that the tools and the resources are the most up to date, mm-hmm. whereas these cards could potentially become outdated in a few years. So, so yeah, multiple credit unions adopting our concept and using it annually, because this isn't just a one-year process. It's, it's something that you constantly want to look at because your, your membership is going to be changing mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And so is this something that the boards would use at a board retreat or in what way would they actually apply it? In a strategic planning session and a retreat, I think it's definitely a good idea to get the board members maybe out of the boardroom and really um, encourage that free thinking and bring light to really a tough conversation. Mm -hmm. 
Um, just to add what Megan is saying, actually one of our stages, I, Fuel Up, is all about designing the team. So this team that's going to help tackle diversity change in your organization maybe isn't going to consist of just board members. It might be a great opportunity to bring in leaders from other parts of your organization, even frontline staff that have an interest. One of our surveys that we sent out, we discovered that a lot of management actually had no idea whether or not this topic was being addressed by their board. So it's a perfect opportunity to bring in some other stakeholders into the conversation, let them help guide that, be part of the board. You also might surprisingly find new connections for potential board members that you hadn't even thought of. Mm So I also want to ask you guys some questions about your experience as being participants in the I3 program. Has the way that you worked on this project together changed your perspective in just your day-to-day work back at your credit unions? I was just going to say I got to have a lot more fun because I don't do graphics <laughs> in my day-to-day. <laughs> And I did get to do the graphics here. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, just in general, part of I3 working in a a team that is spread across the country, you learn a lot more that it's not just the community that my organization serves, but there's a lot of communities and these solutions being flexible. It's a great way to to learn from that. Yeah, I was just going to add to that, Holly. I, I agree. Working in the remote setting where you've got disparate regions and everything is through WebEx, um, just in my credit union career, I'm not super used to working in that fashion. So having to learn those skills, I think, has been very beneficial for my professional development. How about your organizations? Are you able to show value of your time and effort that you've been putting into this program to bring back to your credit union? So in my particular credit union, it was a topic that I was not aware that was already being addressed. Um, So when we chose our problem statement, how can credit union boards take the lead on diversity, equity, and inclusion in order to move the industry forward, I told my CEO, and I think his eyes just lit up right away. And he's like, we're already addressing this. This is so exciting. Will you present in front of our board? And so, of course, I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, present in front of the, and then I got voluntold to present here um, as practice. But in August, um, I will be presenting to our board. They already know what our filing group has been working on, and just a lot of positive feedback, and just they're very excited about what we're presenting and excited about just change in general. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. I think that what you guys have done is um, kind of the definition of innovation because you did take a kind of very difficult to discuss topic. Not only is diversity, equity, and inclusion a whole challenging topic, but credit union boards in and of themselves is a challenge to address the the issues that lie within that. Um, So did you in in the process of coming to a solution did you have a lot of um, time where you felt like maybe you were going too dark or too negative or too heavy and and if so how did you find this path to something that was kind of brighter and and entertaining even so 
I feel like our discussions never really went to a dark or negative place, specifically because we had done a lot of research and the research was showing the positive, like very positive impact of diversity, equity and inclusion. So the whole idea that what we're trying to do is just elevate something that is already um, part of, especially throughout today today, we've heard a lot about cooperation and cooperatives and the idea of crowdsourcing. And um, I think this just really goes to the heart of what credit unions are really great at already. And many of our directors and our CEOs are very interested in this just uh, because of the industry that we're in. So it didn't feel negative, but it does feel like change. And sometimes there is the roller coaster of change where we have to go through the big dip to get to the positive piece. But our team was very positive, and it was fun for us to imagine the possibilities of uh, even greater performance and greater connection with our communities because uh, our boards are going to reflect them even better than mm-hmm. they are today. Mm-hmm. Did you feel empowered to be able to approach and address this topic because it was kind of like your, it was yours to solve in, in this capacity? Did you feel any greater sense of like having that authority or did were you challenged by by this topic? I think it felt daunting at first. I mean, I'll admit, I was okay with the newer I3ers making the choice. And then when they chose, I was like, oh, oh, that's so heavy. (laughs) But I think as we worked through it, as we found the research that supported what's going on, what's going on in other industries, Mm -hmm. how our industry doesn't reflect that, I think it kind of was like, okay, yeah, I can see this. And and I, I feel it now. I feel like this is something that's worth talking about. It's worth getting people to talk about. Um, one of our initial kind of concepts was a fairly prescriptive, like your organization should do this and you should look at hiring this organization or that organization. When we realized that didn't fit for everyone, we scaled it back. So really it's about having a conversation. And I think for me, going from that heavy, like, I'm not sure this is the right topic. Now I feel comfortable having those conversations. And I think that's been great. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you for sharing with us today. And good luck with all of your future endeavors in I3. Thank you. From pushing credit union boards forward to pushing credit unions to the bleeding edge of ethical use of data. Our next team looks at how credit unions can be the change we want to see in the world when it comes to how organizations use and protect our personal data. All right, can you start by introducing yourself and what credit union you're from, please? Bijal Gami, local government federal credit union. I'm Lesha Klein. I'm from Carpathia Credit Union in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Andrew Martin, Canvas Credit Union. Jennifer Statham, WSCCU in Olympia, Washington. Josh Smith, Schools First Federal Credit Union in Southern California. Welcome, and thank you for speaking with us today about your I3 journeys. So does one of you want to give me the elevator pitch of what your project is about? Uh, yeah, you know, really what it is is, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And that's what we're looking at when it comes to uh, the world of being ethical stewards of data. It's an overwhelming opportunity for us. And so what our project was, was finding a way to make that a bite by bite experience for credit unions so they could achieve what's best for their members. Mm-hmm. And how did you come to the solution to the problem? And what was the problem that you were trying to solve for? Really, the problem from our research in the day that we found was just a lack of maturity for a lot of 
of folks that we spoke to when it comes to what their credit union had built in processes for and, and just really wrapping their head around this new world of what can we do with data to not only help our members, but show our members that it can be used in an ethical way and really give them a tool to take a look in the mirror, see where they are today and help them figure out where they want to be tomorrow and how to get there. And so that was the overall uh, solution to the problem that we found from our initial research and conversations. Mm-hmm. And is this something that you have personally experienced a challenge with that made you passionate about solving this pain point for credit unions and their members? Actually, at our credit union, we did um, find an issue. We have set up a team that focuses on cybersecurity, privacy, and data ethics as the three elements of brand trust. And when we went out there doing a lot of research and benchmarking, you find that there's a lot of regulation and even um, standards around cybersecurity and around privacy, but everyone's largely silent around the idea of ethical use of data. And so we couldn't even benchmark with others on it and really had to start establishing that on our own. And so we were pretty sensitive to the gap coming into this project. And can you explain the process that you guys came up with as a team working together, how you came to this solution and, um, you know, what was your unique experience working as this team in this round for the solution that you came to? I would say each one of us did our due diligence and research with some white papers and did a lot of our own analysis to come to the table with what we thought would be a compelling idea. And in addition to that, a solution that we could start from, we leveraged our fellow as well to get some feedback on where we were headed, the direction. And it kind of all you know, circumvented back to member trust, member loyalty, in determining do we have the tools in place to put us in a position to, as Josh alluded to earlier, to look in the mirror and then kind of see what we can do internally and then see if this type of solution can be replicated from credit unions from a smaller scale up to, you know, a 10 plus billion dollar credit union as well. Mm -hmm. And what did you find for the answer to that? Did you find that it, it is a very scalable opportunity for credit unions of all sizes? We believe so that we're kind of at the, you know, the initial launching point where it's a, a great idea. We would leverage or like to leverage, you know, the assistance and backing of maybe a larger entity that would be able to support it from a national perspective and enabling us to do that you could put the framework in place to allow credit union size from uh, asset size from anywhere from you know 250 million or less to like I alluded to earlier that it, it is scalable yeah mm-hmm. one thing I, I might just add from our presentation Bijal mentioned at the very beginning I believe it's 90 percent of the data out there in the world has come out in the last five years so wow. any solution for a problem that complex and and that that's growing exponentially like that I mean really is going to take consistent feedback from credit unions across the spectrum and as a movement we've always done our best work when we work together and we saw this as a real opportunity to embrace that you know when you look at the cooperative principles you know one of them is cooperation amongst cooperatives and this was a real opportunity to kind of look at a current day problem and use one of the foundational pieces of our movement and 
move in a direction that was going to help all of us. I mean, we all come from credit unions of various sizes with different fields of membership, different geographic locations, different needs from our members. But I think we all can agree that if we can, as a movement, step into a leadership role and how we use their data that they choose to share with us because they trust us in a positive way and then that make that a reality, that that was the opportunity. But again, as Andrew mentioned, it's going to take consistent feedback, ongoing participation. And what do you envision success looking like with this project? Um, a credit union that were to use it, what would they benefit from having this in place? Well, you, when you look at a solution for this, it, it really comes in kind of two stages. You have for the individual credit union, helping them achieve their own goals, because the way it was set up with our assessment really allows them to find the benchmarks within themselves and and create, okay, you know, based on our resources, this is the direction we can move. And as they continue to move in that direction, they retake that assessment and then they see where we are today and keep moving forward. And so you'll have individual credit unions able to achieve in the eyes of their members and in the eyes of their, you know, the board of directors and the, the leadership of that credit union, a real ability to move the needle on what they're able to do with data. Mm-hmm. And in turn, continue to build on that trust that the membership already has because of who we are. And then the second step of that is beyond the individual credit unions, credit unions across the country. And as a, as a movement, there is not an industry player, whether it's in the financial industry, financial services industry, or in tech as a whole, that has really stepped up to show what positive and ethical use of data looks like. That could be credit unions. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of our success point, I guess you could say, uh, for credit unions as a movement. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Does anyone have anything to expand on um, the thoughts around credit unions and their unique structure being the ones that can turn around? um, I was just talking to someone that said, I expect my data to be exploited. That's the world we live in. Can you talk a little bit about how credit unions could be the world leaders on changing that kind of bad press that we all have on the expectation of our our data being exploited. You know, I guess when you look at the history of credit unions and just how they came about and kind of solving a need and stepping into a space where kind of they were disenfranchised with the rest of the system, people are getting disenfranchised right now with kind of the data they share and the institutions they share it with. And so it would be great to see credit unions kind of step in and almost reclaim the differentiation Mm -hmm. that they used to have in terms of really standing for something that no one else is solving for right now. And Right now, there seems to be a just an absence of it. Mm-hmm. 85 years ago, the Federal Credit Union Act was passed, and that was in the midst of the Great Depression. And the new normal was your financial services provider was not there for you. And credit unions stepped in to fill that void. And uh, I think to uh, Jennifer's point, this is a chance for us to kind of reclaim that title mm-hmm. um, that we've traditionally had. Credit unions have done it before, and it's it looks like it's it's a new era version of that. Absolutely. So you guys got the feedback from the judges that this is obviously a topic of interest. Where do where does it go? Where do you see this going from here? During the uh, the science fair, the thing I told most people is, and it's important to note is, if if one hundred is completion, we're probably at twenty to thirty percent. Like we're very in the novice stage of this now, 
and we need cooperation amongst cooperatives. Like we need people to participate. Mm-hmm. And Josh alluded to this earlier. It's an assessment and it's a survey in one. It's really a survey right now, but how do you assess something that you don't have data for? Mm-hmm. So there's lots of things that we need to do and put in place. But I think Andrew alluded to this as well. We need a bigger entity, like somebody that has a national presence that people will trust. Because I don't know if necessarily one credit union could really step up and say, well, we'll be the owners of this data and then sparse it out to the people that need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully the next iteration, if it continues, we'll be able to go from step 20%, 30% to, to, to the 60 or 70%. Right, so this was just part of the I3 cycle that you guys were working on. And this idea though, do you feel it, it lives on from here? Are you gonna hand it off to another group? Is it going to be a personal project amongst your group from here forward? Or where do you see that? taking shape in the future? Well, our credit unions all participated in the assessment. And I know uh, for my credit union, um, they appreciated the assessment tool. There are regulatory bodies out there that, you know, force us to follow certain rules and uh, not necessarily focusing on ethical use of members' data. Mm -hmm. So I think... um, there are definitely credit unions out there like mine who would probably continue to use the assessment and it it would be uh, interesting to have it continue and mm-hmm. grow. Yeah. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you guys want to mention about your project, about being an I3er or advice for any future I3ers out there? This is my uh, third stint mm-hmm. and every stint that, we've, that I've done has been different. This is new as well, the science fair, and I really enjoyed when you present on stage, you're not really sure if people got your message mm-hmm. or if they had a question that they don't want to approach you for. So the science fair almost kind of forced people to walk over and say, give me more information about this. People came over to the booth and they were quoting some of the things that we actually said in our presentation. And it, it blew my mind. It was great. And I, I loved answering the questions because you could tell they were passionate about what mm-hmm. we were trying to do. That's really cool. This is my first cycle and being part of the filing team or I3 team, I think it's really interesting that they, they don't share everything with you so you're sort of learning as you go along and everything's a surprise and i think that actually makes it really interesting so if there are people that are interested in applying i definitely recommend it embrace the opportunity be willing to get outside of your comfort zone and really exposing your vulnerability and knowing that different people that you're going to interface with has a strength and a core competency that you may not be as strong in, and that's just going to make our team or that prospective team that much better. Mm-hmm. Trust the process. <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Heard a lot of that so far. Well, it, this is definitely one of those things where you know we're only as good as a community as all the individuals that make it up. And um, you guys clearly you've poured your heart and soul into this work. And there's a lot of passion out there in the room for not only your, your projects, but supporting your, your colleagues and your peers in, this, in the I3 program. And it's, it's a, one of those things where you get out of it everything that you put into it. So I see so much going into it. And so I hope that you've gotten your fair share out of it as well. Well, good luck on your journey and your next cycle and through the rest of your I3 experience. And um, thank you for sharing your stories with us today. Thank you, Holly. All right, that's it for the fill-in, folks. Thanks again for listening. And one more huge thank you to all the Filene I3 teams for letting us in on their journey through this program. 
I am so glad I got a chance to talk with each of them, and I look forward to seeing what comes next from their minds when the new teams present their new projects at Big Bright Minds in Durham in November. Again, if you're planning to join us there this year, head over to filene.org events to register now. If you like this episode, please do rate us on Apple Podcasts so more people can find us. And make sure you're subscribed to the Filene Fill-In Podcast so you can keep up with what's going on at Filene. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to get in touch about today's show, email me at hollyf at filene.org or find us on Twitter at Filene Research. Until next time, thanks everyone. <laughs>